0: always been a research geek. It's like, the more great music, the better. And whether I'm looking into, you know, obscure music for unaccompanied violin from the 1600s or concertos for the 14-string viola d'amore or whatever, I mean, I'm always looking for different kinds of stuff, women composers. That's award-winning
1: violinist Rachel Barton Pine. You hear her often on Classical K-Bok, and now you can hear her latest release, an updated edition of our 1997 album, Violin Concertos by Black Composers Through the Centuries. We sat down to talk about the new record. Rachel Barton Pine, thank you so much for coming on today. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me on. You just released a new edition of your 1997 album, Violin Concertos by Black Composers Through the Centuries. So what inspired you to come back to these composers and make this album?
0: Yeah, well, in some ways, this is the album I would have made in 97 had I only been able to when I was doing the research to see what works for violin and orchestra had been written by Black composers through the centuries. Um, At one of the archives I visited, the Center for Black Music Research at Columbia College, um, I was shown a single page of a manuscript by Florence Price, and um, you know we knew that she had written two violin concertos, and um, the archivist said that they were considered to be lost to the world forever, that it was a hopeless situation, they would never be found, they would never be heard and This was such a tragedy because I you know knew of her compositional voice and how wonderful of a composer she is from some of her songs and solo piano works. So imagine my astonishment and delight when just a few years ago you know it's like one of those stories that it just doesn't seem like something you could even make up right there is an old trunk in an abandoned farmhouse filled with her manuscripts that was discovered and sure enough you know lots of chamber music lots of symphonic music and both of her concertos and so concerto number 2 is really a masterpiece it's from the very end of her life and um just so thrilled that I could include it on the album. And in fact, we've deleted one work from the original album. Still a charming concerto, but it turns out that the Chevalier de Motempa was always known as a Lenoir, and no existing you know, painting or anything of him existed. So all the musicologists for decades thought, well, he must be a black composer. Why else would you call him Lenoir? Turns out that he served in a regiment of the French army that rode black horses. So (laughs) he must have been a white composer after all. So I'm still happy that I recorded it, but it no longer belongs on the black composer's record. So, yeah, so we lost one and we gained one. And this is the revised set list. And I'm also... Really thrilled, you know, the the works that were from the original album by, you know, the Afro-French composer from the late 1700s, the classical era, Chevalier de Saint-Georges, the Afro-Cuban composer from the Romantic era, one of the great virtuoso violinists at the time of Wieniawski and Vuitton, a really powerful concerto in F-sharp minor by José White, and then, of course, the wonderful late Romantic composer Samuel Coleridge-Taylor from England, who wrote a beautiful romance that I recorded. So, I'm, you know, now that people are, you know, really rediscovering this whole body of repertoire and getting so excited about it, you know, I just thought, you know, anybody who didn't notice the concerto record back when it came out in 97, you know, now's the time to to reintroduce these pieces so that they can get even more recognition, the recognition that they deserve and that they would have had all along had history not relegated them to the sidelines, you know, for all of these generations.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I'm also thinking back to an album you released with Matthew Hegel. I think it was called Blues Dialogues. Um, Yeah. So I was curious um, when in your career you started, did you start to explore these black composers? Just curious how some of these albums came to be.
0: Yeah, great question. Well, you know, I've always been a research geek. It's like the more great music, the better. And whether I'm looking into, you know, obscure music for unaccompanied violin from the 1600s or, you know, concertos for the 14 string viola deamore or whatever I mean, i'm mean, i always looking for different kinds of stuff women composers you know but the black composers exactly. specifically yeah. um, i'm also i was thinking very back to, to be, an album you released with um, matthew hagel i think Chicago, it's called blue i still live. I live here my whole
1: um, life yeah. and, so uh, i was curious um, um, um when in we your were, career was, you started, I mean, did now you now start there's so much more happening
0: but, black but even back, you know, were when I was a some teenager, of the pieces um we had you of course did you dig them up on your own is it just kind Which, of something um, you discovered? You know? Is the discovered? most diverse um, orchestra in terms of its membership and its programming um, that has a year-round series. Um, there was the performing arm of the Center for Black Music Research called the New Black Music Repertory Ensemble, Maestro Michael Morgan, um, one of the most talented African American conductors, was assistant conductor to the Chicago Symphony under Schulte and then Berenboim and was principal conductor of the Civic Orchestra of Chicago, where I was concertmaster and he would bring works by Black composers um, to our concerts at Civic. So. I knew of this body of repertoire, and I'd had the opportunity to play some of these pieces. And um, so, you know, being the the <laughs> voracious um, sheet music collector that I am, I you know went to some different library archives. And and really, you know, back when I was that young, I I wasn't even thinking of. I guess I was just very naive, just not thinking of ideas of social justice and inclusion and things like that. I just loved the music. And, you know, so many great composers, so many, I mean, just a real treasure trove. So um, I was just excited about this repertoire and really wanted to share it with people. And of course, after the album came out in 97, it was really life-changing because I started being asked to, you know, participate in diversity panels and um, just, you know, be on the board of Sphinx and um, started getting requests from many students and parents and teachers and colleagues, you know, asking for more of this repertoire. And so I had started my... Rachel Barton Pine Foundation, my not-for-profit, in 2001 to support young artists through instrument loans and financial assistance. And then I was like, well, I've got a charity, and there's this project that needs to happen. So I was very blessed that many um, heavy hitters in the realms of like mm-hmm. composition and conducting music educators, um, concert artists, music researchers, um, many colleagues, many of them African-American, agreed to serve on our advisory board to get things launched. And now we have, yeah, so we started Music by Black Composers in 2001. And now we've released curricular volumes and we have a website, musicbyblackcomposers.org, which has all kinds of free resources for everybody, you know, whether it's our podcast page, bibliographies, discographies, presentation materials for schools. We have a directory of more than 150 historic composers, more than 300 living composers, repertoire directories where you can learn where to find sheet music for various instrumental combinations, um... You know, just all kinds of stuff on the website and, you know, ever more to come. I, I won't be bored for at least the next few decades, but it's just been... So gratifying to finally see our, you know, our work and the work of so many other organizations paying off that, um, you know, the wider public is finally embracing um, this repertoire and recognizing its value, not only socially, but also musically to have these voices be part of our classical conversation is so enriching to our art form and to all of us as classical music fans.
1: Yeah, like you said, it's always been a part of who you are and part of the issue is not having the sheet music and recordings to give to our audiences so what is your response to someone who would say in the 21st century there's you know still not enough diversity in classical music in this genre
0: yeah well i mean there's two components you know one we have to you know be aware of the issues and willing to do something about them and then of course the second component is the work that actually needs to be done it's not as simple as saying Okay, my string quartet is now going to play some quartets by Black composers. Well, because of historic discrimination, a lot of this music is out of print. A lot of this music was never published, so it's in manuscripts only. So there's extra work you actually have to do. Sometimes it involves, you know, in putting it into the computer engraving program, hunting it down in libraries, editing it. There's also an interpretative um, challenge that there. You know, a lot of the pieces don't have long-standing performance traditions. You know, you can't go and learn them with your teacher or listen to how Heifetz played it or anything like that. So, you know, there's a little more work that needs to be done to make these things happen. But um, while it might be extra challenging, it's also um, super rewarding and definitely worth it. And I, you know, couldn't, I mean, there's a lot more work that needs to happen, but things are definitely moving in the right direction. And, you know, when you think about the new version of my album that just came out, Florence Price, her violin concertos, in the early 1950s, there were almost no opportunities for women or for African-American composers to have works performed or commissioned by orchestras. And for an African-American woman composer, it was like hopeless. And so... And she did not write these concertos because anybody commissioned them. She did not ever get to hear these concertos played by an orchestra while she was alive. So why did she even write them? They must have just been in her heart. And she had to get them out onto paper in the hopes that someday the world would be a better place and we would actually finally play them. And so with whatever else is going on in the world and all the worries we have, know there are certain things that definitely are improvements and one of those for sure is the fact that we are playing works like um, the output of Florence Price which is absolutely first-rate stuff and should have been part of our lives all along.
1: Yes and I wanted to ask about the Violin Concerto by Price. It's a beautiful recording. It feels magical and just different. How would you describe the piece or her voice?
0: Goodness. Well, you know, I've only scratched the surface of her works for violin and piano, which have, most of which have only just now come to light. So there's definitely a lot more exploration to be done. Um, You know, normally you go and you play a composer, uh, a a concerto by a composer, and you're already familiar with their symphonies and their string quartets and their recital pieces. And, you know, and that's just not the case where, you know, we're, recording and performing ever more music of Florence Price, but she's still someone that we're getting to know. And, um, but, but I love the fact that, you know, her, her piece definitely sounds American, you know, she studied in Chicago with Leo Sowerby. Um, But there's also a distinctly African American, you know, kind of not so overtly, you know, that it's not jazzy like William Grant Still or anything like that. But, you know, there are definitely elements that that um, you know, sound like a hymn tune or or things like that that um, do suggest um, her background, and then it's just her own unique voice, um, and yeah, there it's it's just um, very dramatic and um, always holds your interest. She doesn't always do what you expect her to do, but whatever she does do is always very very appealing. And so, yeah, I think there's a reason that everybody is falling in love with her music.
1: And your research is forever and ongoing for pieces like these, kind of like the work you did with uh, the Center for Black Music Research in Chicago.
0: Well, our research is, you know, with libraries all over the world, whether it's, you know, different archives and Venezuela or Nigeria or you know Britain or whatever. Um, Sadly, the CBMR specifically, um, while the materials are still sitting um, on the shelves, um, the college is tragically no longer funding um, any dedicated employees to curate it, and so it's not being. You know, there's there's nobody knowledgeable about the contents to help somebody who's looking for things. So it's actually a very troubling situation over there. Hopefully, it will be remedied at some point, either in terms of funding, or maybe it will be rehoused in another institution. We'll see what happens. But in the meantime, there's Plenty of stuff, you know, to be found. And, you know, we had, for our purposes, already pretty much exhausted what they had before they ever shuttered. So, um, yeah, never a dull moment. We've got all kinds of... Actually, if you go to musicbyblackcomposers.org, click on the About section, and then click on... um, projects timeline. You'll see a complete list of everything we've already done, and then you'll also see the complete list of everything we're planning to do. And of course, if anybody has any suggestions for things we should add to the list, feel free to email us. But um, yeah, never a dull moment.
1: And I know you're touring over the next six months, some on the West Coast, mainly in the Midwest. Will you be performing some of these recently recorded works with different orchestras?
0: Actually, I'm very gratified that after all these years of trying to convince orchestras to program some of these um, lesser known concertos by composers of color that I love, um, and having orchestras understandably be a little bit wary of programming pieces that their audiences don't already know. Um, finally, uh, it's been a complete 180. I now have orchestras asking me to play these concertos. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, I'm just, you know, really, really happy that I'm not only sharing this music from the album, but now actually getting out on stage in front of audiences and performing them. Um, I just did a Florence Price last week with the Berkeley Symphony. I'm off to Washington to do a Jose White next week. So, Yeah, onwards and upwards, and one thing I'm really looking forward to is more and more violinists also starting to play these pieces. You know, I have all of my ideas about the interpretation, but I'd love to see how some of my colleagues would approach them and and really get the conversation going about all the possibilities.
1: Well, I really look forward to introducing these new recordings to our audience here, and best wishes on the tour.
0: Before I sign off, speaking of albums and speaking of Phoenix, um, my next concerto album where I, I have a pair of concertos is going to be with your very own Maestro Tito Munoz. Oh, okay. Um, in January, we recorded um, with the Royal Scottish National Orchestra the Shostakovich First Violin Concerto paired with concerto by um, Earl Menian, who's a dear friend of both me and Tito, um, who wrote a violin concerto that Tito commissioned for me and the Phoenix Symphony, we premiered it a few years ago in Phoenix and and have now recorded it. And it's just an awesome piece. And I can't wait for everybody to get to hear that record next. And so we have,
1: that's amazing. We have more music to introduce to our audiences here in the Valley. And yes, hopefully you can come uh, pass through here again very soon. And thank you so much for coming on our podcast today.
0: You're very welcome. Take care.
1: That's violinist Rachel Barton Pine talking about the release of her brand new album, Violin Concertos by Black Composers, Through the Centuries. Just released, you can look forward to hearing some of those tracks on Classical KBox. For KBox, Heart of the Arts, I'm Melissa Green.